Yo, 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 yo. Uh, another quick podcast. Me by myself driving home from work. So exciting. Um, I am about to do something that just shows that I don't give a shit what people think of me. Because I just did one of the nastiest, ugliest, cringeworthiest, puke, vomit inducing things a man can do. I just cleaned out the grease trap at the uh, at work in our processing room, and oh my god! I honestly here's the thing: I would like to sit here and dwell on it and talk about it more. I can't. It makes me want to vomit even just thinking about the smell, the absolute smell that I just had my face in. You know what I did? I just like I blacked out about uh, six months ago or so. I had Chris Kanye, who is the new morning man on WBEE. I had him here on the podcast, and I was asking him, you know, because he's a plumber by trade and radio guy, but he's a plumber as well. And I was asking him, like, how do you frolic in people's shit and piss? And first of all, he doesn't frolic, but you know what I mean. How do you work in, like, human waste? And he goes, you just shut it off. Like, you're just at work, and you just shut it off somehow. And that's what I feel like. I just blacked out for, like, 30 minutes and cleaned out this grease trap. And it's like I just blacked it out. <laughs> like, I just was like, it was in my face the whole time. Somehow I was breathing. And, and like, the first few breaths I wanted to vomit, and then I just went into, okay. You know what, Polly? It's not getting done unless you do it. You got to get it done. Suck it up here, buttercup. And then I did. I just, I, I literally just lived with it for, like, 30 minutes. And now, and here's the thing. What I'm about to do right now shows I don't give a shit. Back to that point, what I'm talking about is, so now I smell like it. I'm in my car, and I smell my clothes, and I smell death. It just smells like death. Well, guess what? I got to go to Wegmans. I'm on my way home right now. It's Saturday night. The moon is bright. And uh, I got to get stuff for uh, sauce tomorrow. Because what does a guy who makes sauce six days a week want to do on Sunday? And that is make sauce at home. But I got to get stuff for sauce tomorrow and meatballs and stuff. I'm out of meatballs at home. And uh, I smell like death. And I'm going to walk into Wegmans. And people are going to see me smell like death. And you know what? It is what it is. I don't give a shit. Married, got a kid. I'll get home. uh, And and the wife will uh, probably send me directly to the shower, which is fine. And it is what it is. So I think I'm going to get in trouble on today's podcast. I'm going to talk a little shit on the Buffalo Bills. And I do not think that is the smartest thing to do, but it's I'm going to do it because a couple of things happened. First of all, you have to give them all the praise in the world for getting as far as they got, right? The Bills made it to the AFC Championship. That is a huge deal. They, uh, they look formidable. I think in the future they're going to be a team, at least next year, that people look at and say that's not an easy win. That's a tough team. However, they did not perform in that AFC championship at all. The Bills looked unfortunately like the Bills of the past. Now, that being said, it took the best team in the NFL, probably the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs, to make the Bills look that way. But I think a lot of us were probably hoping that the Bills went in, and if they lost to Kansas City, they at least lost a close one or a nail-biter or a game that you could have argued they were in the whole time but unfortunately the bills just got their asses kicked and the shit i want to talk is the end of that game as i'm scrolling the twitter 
and I'm watching the hashtag Bills Mafia, they're talking about how the Chiefs now know they've got rivals in the Bills. And this is the thing that I looked at and I went, no, they don't. No, they don't. You think the Chiefs are shaking in their boots at the thought of playing the Bills next year? They're not... they, they dominated the Bills. They're not worried about play. They they don't. As far as the Kansas City Chiefs go, they do not have a rival in the AFC right now. Not the Bills, not the Browns, not the Ravens. Nobody has proven themselves worthy, essentially, of uh, of of that status, of, you know, of rival status with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So I don't know where Bills fans were getting the whole, like, at least the Chiefs know they've got company now. No, they don't. <laughs> you know, they, I, that's my that's my one negative Bills fan thing. I will say, is that you know Bills fans have always had this like sort of optimism that I mean, you heard me on the radio for years. I I said it. I said Bills have this just Bills fans just have this blind optimism that's just like for years they were convinced this was their year, and of course every year they would fizzle out. Now that it is their year. They still have that false sense of optimism of just like, you know, I don't know. I they, Look, there's a lot to be proud of, and I think that there's a lot to be happy about. And what do we know about the Bills? They have a couple vulnerabilities, and I think it's two places specifically. I think the Bills are vulnerable at linebacker and vulnerable in the running back position. I don't think the Bills have great linebackers. Uh, and, I, and I think Tremaine Edmonds, is that his name right, the middle linebacker? Uh, I don't think that he – really proved himself as a top of the NFL middle linebacker. And I don't think that uh, the running game for the Bills, and, I, and in this part I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on, that's the weakness by far. The Bills can't run the football. Or at least the 2020 Bills couldn't run the football. So that's where they got to spend some money or at least some draft capital is getting themselves a running back. I know Devin Singletary a couple years ago had a lot of promise. At this point I can't see the Bills – uh, either sticking with them or if they do, I can't see them doing anything other than just making them a backup. Zach Moss had a couple opportunities this year to kind of break through and maybe prove himself as the starter. He never really did anything either. In fact, he had a big fumble, if I remember. And maybe it was um, – I don't remember if it was like – it might have been the first playoff game or something. I don't know. Zach Moss with a big fumble. He kind of lost confidence at that point. Singletary couldn't get more than two yards a run. And at the end of the day, that's just that's the weakness right there. Bills, Josh Allen came along. The wide receivers, great. Stephon Diggs, superstar. Cole Beasley, getting a little up there in age, but he's got a few years left as a slot. John Brown's a fine number two. And Josh Allen's going to get it to him. I even think Dawson Knox is better than most people think. A lot of people knock Knox. I like Knox. But, you know, it is what it is, man. They got to they gotta get a running game, and I think they got to get linebackers. And quite frankly, uh, the defensive secondary in general didn't look good against the Chiefs. Now, it did look good over the course of the season, but the Chiefs will make anybody look foolish. The Browns, quite frankly, gave the Chiefs a slightly better game than the Bills did. However, the Browns had the advantage of playing a quarter and a half against Chad Henney and not Patrick Mahomes, and quite frankly, even more embarrassingly, got their asses handed to them by Chad Henney. So... Uh, they, I don't know that it's apples to apples in that comparison. So it's the Buccaneers and the um, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Here's my question. If you're Tom Brady, 
and you win the Super Bowl, do you retire? I think it's been pretty obvious that Tom Brady, and he said this, he's on the record saying he wants to play until he's 45 years old. He's 43. I believe, does he, I, actually I don't want to speak out of turn. I was going to say, I believe he has a two-year contract with Tampa, but he might, now that I think about it, I don't know that for a fact. He may have just a year to year. But I think everyone kind of assumed he was going to do two years in Tampa, play at the age of 43, play at the age of 44, and go out. So if he wins the Super Bowl, he has this opportunity to go out a Super Bowl champion. If he does not win the Super Bowl, I think there's no doubt he comes back. He plays that one final year. That way he gets everything. He gets one more shot at one more Super Bowl, and he gets to play till he's 45. But if he does win the Super Bowl, now he's got a hell of a decision to make. He has the opportunity to do what so few people get to do, and that is go out on top. But then there's that double or nothing that would be available to him if he did win the Super Bowl, right? If Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, he could then – oh, man, he could – he could try and go back to back to end his career and three out of the last four too because you think if he wins this year and he wins next year he didn't win last year but he did win the year before that'd be three out of four in his 40s i'm gonna go on record right now and i could be very very wrong but i'm gonna go on record right now saying tom brady plays one more season either way win or lose in this super bowl i think the idea of playing until 45 is stuck in his head and I can't see him changing that because he wins a Super Bowl. I think Tom Brady's competitive enough that if he wins the Super Bowl, he's going to say, I want to go out with back-to-back Super Bowl wins. So that's my call on that one. Now, on the other hand, with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the young gun, the young stunner. And it's interesting. It's old guard versus, versus new guard, you know, is what it is. Very exciting. Um, let's switch topics a little bit. I do want to talk about uh, Brother Weeze is back. I heard him on the radio yesterday. At this point, I know barely more than you know. I get some updates, but I'm definitely not an insider anymore, so I don't hear much. And uh, I did, though, I think it was yesterday. Would this have been Friday? Yeah, Friday morning. Um, I had to be somewhere pretty early, so I was in the car right at 6 a.m., and I had the Brother Wee show on, and I heard them come on, and I heard it It was uh, Deanna, Tools, Dale, and you know no wheeze and and they didn't do a whole lot of talking about wheeze and so i i mean i did i think they did say he was recovering he might come on a couple hours later got back in the car and i heard him on and he sounded great and i listened for a little while just to try and make sure that it wasn't a replay because to be honest with you, he sounded so good that i thought it must be a replay but sounds like wheeze is doing great and I, all i can say about that is thank god because I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if you hear my voice. A week ago today, I was pretty scared about that. Because a week ago at this time, all I knew was that he had gone to the ER. And, you know, I mean, look, he's a vulnerable guy. He's he's a little older. He's got a couple of uh, conditions, pre-existing conditions. And I was I was pretty scared about that. You know, I, I definitely wanted, uh, wanted one last opportunity to talk to the guy. And I'm really happy that that will happen now. So... Um, good to hear him back. That's fantastic. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I, I want to talk about the fact that America, at least most of us now, believe we are experts at the stock market. <laughs> this idea of shorting a stock, you have heard of it. A lot of people were saying this week, they're going, I've never heard of shorting a stock. You've heard of it. This is what the the um, the crash, the the 2009 crash of the economy was based on 
the shorting of real estate stocks or real estate bonds or whatever. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but it was all based on shorting. Um, it, it was it was uh, it, it, it's a term you've heard before, but you know not not a lot of us speak Wall Street, so this was all new to us. But what was interesting about it is just how caught with their pants down the hedgers were, the billionaires, the rich people got absolutely busted. They got beat at their own game. They cried foul, and the rules got changed. <laughs> you know, these Wall Street, the Wall Street Reddit subgroup that put this thing together did exactly what the hedge funders do. They bound together, and they manipulated a stock. They tried to make something happen to a stock just with their buying power. That's what the hedge funders do, and now the hedge funders are crying foul? It's bullshit. Absolute and utter bullshit. Really, really made me mad to see Robin Hood take it. Yeah, how about this Robin Hood, an app that's literally named after stealing from the rich and giving to the poor? That's what Robin Hood did. He stole from the rich, he gave to the poor. And that's what these Wall Street, the, 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 the subredditors were doing. They were stealing from the rich to give to the poor. And Robin Hood's like, oh, yeah, no, actually, mm-mm. I think Robin Hood, to tell you the truth, I just think they got scared. I think the people that uh, created Robin Hood have kind of created themselves a gold mine. They've got, you know, young people trading stocks like it's fantasy football. And this was the first thing that kind of shook them to their core where they're like, oh, shit, we're going to get in a lot of trouble for this. Because if there's one thing, one person that can get shit done, it's a billionaire who just lost a billion dollars. Rich people get shit done. And I'm not saying that as a compliment. I'm saying it's bullshit. They throw their money around. They can get shit done. You know, I mean, look at that. They changed the rules to Wall Street in less than a day because a bunch of rich people were losing money. Imagine the problems we could fix if a bunch of rich people went into, you know, overdrive for one day like they did with Wall Street when they were losing money. Isn't that crazy? This is absolutely nuts. So that that story was I thought was interesting. My father-in-law is a financial advisor and before I even understood what was going on, I was texting him going, "GameStop, bro, buy GameStop." <laughs> and he's like, "This is crazy." And I'm like, "I don't understand." Um I guess and this is way over my head, but I guess there is some bad stuff that could come from that type of market manipulation. You know, I, I think, and, and again, I'm, I'm just speaking off the top of my head, but I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the whole economy, or the whole Wall Street, I guess, the stocks, stock market is based on a reflection of the American economy, a true reflection of the economy, and any manipulation basically makes something that isn't a true reflection happen. Am I getting that right? So in that way, it would be a bad thing, but I don't know how that becomes an actual bad thing. It sounds a little bit more like an idealistic or a symbolic bad thing, the way I described it. So there must or maybe more to it. I just, maybe I just don't, not smart enough to understand, I guess. I don't know. But then speaking about rich people getting their way, here's one that has absolutely pissed me off. And this one I'm on the wrong side of. This one I'm absolutely on the wrong side of. Rich people cutting in line to get their vaccines. This country found out this week about a few of those instances, one of them being right here in Rochester, about rich people cutting in line to get the vaccine. That news again. Rich people expect special treatment and usually get it. Is this really breaking news to anybody? Why was I reading all week 
about how shocked Americans were that this was happening. What? Have you not been paying attention your entire life? Rich people always get special treatment. But here's the part where I'm on the wrong side. There are some cases where I totally get it. And this is one of them. Okay, here we go. Oh, boy. This is good. This is not good. I have to remember this is a podcast and not the radio. See, on the radio, yeah, they could record me and, and get me in trouble. But on a podcast, it's way easier to share this and say, look at this idiot. Here's where I'm coming from. Specifically in these situations, we've heard a few of them pop up where big donors to hospitals were able to get vaccines when they probably shouldn't have yet. And people are in an outrage. They're saying this is wrong. Idealistically, you're right. It is wrong. But those donors who are giving five, in some cases even six, and in some rare cases even seven figures to hospitals are doing so much good by giving that money to those hospitals and creating programs and purchasing equipment that those hospitals need with their money and giving them the ability to hire the top-notch staff that they hire. And those donations make that happen. In return for those major donations, you've got to treat those people like VIPs. You just got to. I, I don't know how to put this. I mean, it's, it's so simple. I, I, if you've been a server, if you have a... No, no, I'll, let, me, let me change that, actually. If you've been a bartender... You know who your big tippers are. You've got regulars, and some of your regulars are big tippers. And who do you take care of every single time? You take care of your big tipper regular. Absolutely. And guess what? They even get to cut in line sometimes. Okay, I know, I know. Now, listen, this is not apples to apples. This is apples to oranges. We're talking about lives here. We're talking about vaccines. I get it. I get it. But look, we're in the Wild West regarding this vaccine. I mean, this is the this is the new frontier. This is uncharted territory. The money these people give to these hospitals is very valuable and has done a lot of good things. And keeping those big donors happy is part of the job. I don't hate it as much as you do. <laughs> You're waiting for me to say the thing where I go. I think it's great that they got vaccines ahead of everyone else no i can't say that i don't think it's great it's clearly it's not ideal i can't say that it's ideal and this is right what i can say is i understand it i know where the hospitals were coming from when they did it i know where the rich people were coming from when they wanted them and you know look i can't say that my top clients don't get some preferential treatment at times and, and and guess what? Those hospitals giving their VIPs preferential treatment, me giving my clients preferential treatment, that's, that's not abnormal. Businesses have top clients. Top clients get preferential treatment. That's how it works. That's how the world goes around. Now, look, that might not be the most popular take. Might get me in trouble. If it does, it does. I get it. Maybe I deserve it. All I'm saying is when I saw that happen... I only found it mildly annoying. I was not outraged the way the rest of you were. 
mildly annoyed, sure. I get it. I don't I don't like seeing rich people get their way just because they're rich. I get that. But I understand that sometimes those people are doing good things with their money and it, and it's okay, you know. Look, who hasn't been to a gala and seen somebody drop 5, 6, 7, 8,000. Well, shit. How about cash? I've been to galas before. Where I've seen dudes dudes you know of, dudes whose last names are famous in this city, literally stand up at a cash call at a gala and drop $50,000 right on the spot. Yeah, of course that person's getting preferential treatment. Kidding me? Anyway. Uh, meatball. I'm trying to think what I got to get from Wegmans. Meatball. Here's my meatball recipe real quick. Ready? This is the one thing I do different. A lot of people use meatloaf mix or they just use beef and pork. I go equal parts beef, pork, veal because meatloaf mix is not equal parts beef, pork, veal. I think it might be mostly beef and pork and a little bit of veal. I go equal beef, pork, veal. Usually buy a pound of each. Then I'm going to do six eggs. Then I'm going to do a heaping handful of breadcrumbs, heaping handful of uh, pecorino locatelli cheese. I'm going to do uh, some salt, some pepper. Uh, usually I'm going to take dried basil, parsley, oregano. Um, I'm going to take, what am I missing? Maybe a little bit of oil in there. <coughs> uh, onion and garlic. I'm going to try and puree as best I can. Almost liquefy if I can. Onion and garlic. And um, trying to think if I got the whole recipe there. I'm pretty sure that's everything. Then I'm going to roll them and bake them for about 20 minutes and then fry them off for about a minute or two each in real hot oil just to kind of give them a little bit of a crust. That's how I do my meatballs. My meatballs. Speaking of meatballs, I've been on a real Italian kick lately. I, we had uh, Agatina's last Friday night takeout. That's nicely located right between Bergen and Brighton, so I can drop by on my way home. Then the other night I had to go to Rubino's in uh, uh, Arondequoit, and I ended up getting um, uh, ended up getting going to Guido's Pasta Villa across the street, getting some sauce. Oh, yeah. Love my Italian red sauce joints. My red sauce Italian joints. And people say, there's a thing that I say that, that I, I use the wrong word. Sometimes I use the word, I shouldn't even put this out there, but I'll, I'll, I'll call them shitty red Italian sauce joints. It's really not what I mean. What I mean is stereotypical red sauce Italian joints. So basically, my favorite type of restaurant is stereotypical red sauce Italian joints. And the reason I say stereotypical is because basically the top selling things on their menu are red sauce, meatballs, sausage, Italian bread, those kinds of things. I love that. Now, that's not really authentic Italian dining. Authentic Italian dining has a lot more seafood, a lot more oil bases, uh, a lot more use of herbs and, and spices and whatnot. But that just like long, slow cooked red sauce served over some shitty boxed noodles <laughs> with with a couple of meatballs and a big chunk of pork butt or like a or like a uh, a big chunk of like beef short rib or pork short rib give me a nice italian sausage and give me a big hunk of bread that i can throw butter on and dip in the sauce yeah it's my shit that's what i'm talking about so i've been on a kick for that lately Actually, I've been doing this thing. Oh, I shouldn't even talk about this. At home, I was telling you I make sauce every Sunday. 
and I've been kind of doctoring my sauce up a little bit more. So my classic sauce, like just the the marinara, like literally the stuff you can buy in the store, the stuff I've been making my whole life, grandpa's recipe, that's uh, um, plum tomatoes, green and red bell pepper, onion, garlic, oil, salt, pepper, basil, parsley, oregano, okay? Um, The doctoring I've been doing at home is I've been throwing like a little cheese in, maybe a little like a little butter, like a little pat of butter in there. I've been throwing in a little... uh, if I got some like, like stock or or uh, sometimes like my wife will buy bouillon or something. If I find like a couple bouillon cubes, I'll throw like some some like beef fat or chicken fat in there. Whatever I can, any fat I can find, I'll throw in there. So I've been doctoring my sauce up lately. It's been really good. All right, well, pulling into the East Ave Wegmans parking lot, I'm gonna go in smelling like absolute death and uh, try and get in and out as fast as I can. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Try and go back to having some guests on soon, but I am really just now catching back up to the the two or three weeks that we've had at work where it's just been absolute nightmare. Um, just really starting to feel caught back up as of really, I think, going into Monday. Like even even tomorrow, I brought my laptop home. Even tomorrow, I think I have plenty of work to do to get myself to the point where I'm feeling in good shape going into Monday. But that's I think that's my job. My job is I gotta I gotta get myself into a good spot heading into Monday. So that's the that's the gig for Sunday. At least I get to work from home. Tried to save everything I can do from home for that. So all right. Well thank you very much for listening to the podcast. We will talk next Sunday.